Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, where we talk with cloud leaders from commercial enterprises to the public sector, hearing their perspectives on innovation at scale when it comes to people, culture, and organization. Welcome back to Conversations with Leaders. My name is Jake Burns, and I'm an enterprise strategist. And um, joining me again is Mark Webster. Mark, thanks for joining us again. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about voice and the impact of the business. Um, so, Mark, you know, overall, what are you seeing in terms of uh, business impact on uh, voice technology? I think when companies approach it, approach voice and, and thinking about voice well, uh, they understand that there's going to be some failure involved, that investments should be proportional to the kind of experience that you want to deliver to users. You know, whenever a new technology comes out, there's going to be early adopters that race into it uh, and try and make big investments in it uh, that sometimes work out and sometimes don't. And when they don't, it can burn somebody on then working with that platform for mm-hmm. or that technology for a very long time. Uh, and then there's people who hold back sometimes too long and are slow to build it and then don't really understand um, the new medium itself or the new technology and how it is going to impact their business. And so where I've seen examples of success are companies who are making what feel like proportional investments in voice technology compared to what it, their business is. So if you're a massive mm-hmm. retailer, your investment in voice should be much bigger than if you're a small business, right? So it should be proportional to your business, mm-hmm. but it's important to understand the way that voice is going to impact the relationship that you have with a customer. Uh, but it's also important to, and not an, I feel like this conversation doesn't come up enough when people think about new mediums, but you need to build the internal DNA in your team to understand this new technology or what it is. Uh, so when it comes to voice, when it, the impact that voice will have on digital experience design, the impact voice technology will have on marketing, on brand, uh, everybody on your team needs to be familiar with sort of the edges of the technology and the edges of these experiences so that as they become more and more critical to your business, uh, your team knows how to react to those things, right? So there's sort of how do I learn as much as possible about how my customer is going to use voice? Uh, but then also, how do I optimize for the team learning how to navigate this new ecosystem? And that in and of itself is, a, is an important investment to make uh, because right. companies you know, that were slow to mobile you know, didn't, didn't do well and lost out on huge opportunities. Right. Doesn't mean you have to go mobile first as soon as it comes out the door, right? And even mobile was a long evolution before even the iPhone came up. We all thought the BlackBerry was kind of the gold standard of mobile computing <laughs> until the, the iPhone came out. Um, but it's important that, that people understand how it's all going to change. Right. Now, you know, this is so similar to kind of any emerging technology, including cloud, which, you know, obviously I have a lot of first-hand experience with. Um, it's, it's so tempting for a leader to, you know, see that this is a new trend coming and kind of try to uh, force it, you know, a square peg in a round hole um, and kind of, you know, uh, not really use it where it's appropriate, kind of like what you're saying. Um but but on the other hand, you know, you need to be prepared to take advantage of those market opportunities when they come. 
and uh, having a team that you know is well versed and familiar and skilled with that technology is going to give you such a competitive advantage when you start. So you know those are, I think those are points that work just to, just about in any area um, in any business when you're adopting a new technology. Um, do, do you have some examples of of, of people who've done that well, um, or or a project that's you know someone who's struck that balance? Yeah, so one example that comes to mind is the way Walmart has approached uh, using voice technology. So when we think of e-commerce and when we think of voice technology, a lot of people are thinking about using a voice assistant to complete a purchase, to say, I need some product type and to either get recommendations or to somehow browse through options and then complete a purchase all in one session. Uh, But what Walmart learned from being pretty early in experimenting with voice is that what people were doing is they were building lists over time using voice because it was so easy to do. And so every time somebody thought about something they might need, they would use a voice interface to add it to a list. And at some point, they would either complete that purchase through voice, but more likely complete it online. And so they would have their list then available through a web interface uh, and then could go and complete the purchase online. And so you could look at those voice experiences. And if you were using, you know, performance metrics like abandonment rate, you know, that we would use in in typical e-commerce, you could say that it was a failure, right? You could say it has like a really low Mm -hmm. percentage of conversion. Uh, But understanding like the user journey and where voice assistants fit into somebody's daily life and then and into their purchasing behavior and understanding that it really is all connected and like when it works well the the company has built that experience to sort of all be interconnected um right. that really feels like it makes a really big difference and then that becomes a much more important part of their strategy and then they kind of make a more proportional investment in it right so that i think yeah. the, the walmart example sort of comes up to me of um, making what felt like a smaller investment and understanding the user behavior and then building something great around that. That's a great point. So uh, this is one of the challenges that leaders face, right, is, you know, you don't get necessarily get the whole picture from the metrics. So how as a leader would I be able to kind of uh, derive those kind of insights um, about how voice is being used in the business and where to invest? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think this question is bigger than voice itself, right? It's kind of the whole world of digital transformation. I mean, I think that there's a big piece of this that's science, and then there's a huge piece of it that's art, right? And I Mm -hmm. think it's you need to try and understand what somebody is trying, like who your user is and where they're interacting with your, your brand, your technology, and like the thing that they're trying to accomplish. And having touch points and metrics that paint as much of that story as possible. Uh, but also talking to people, right? Just like literally getting out of the office and, and meeting with customers and t- talking to them about their experiences and understanding mm-hmm. like that larger narrative, right? And I, and I don't think yeah. that there's, 
if we could build a dashboard that just like told us that story, <laughs> I think, and figure out how to do that, I think we'd be like the richest people in the world. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that's the hard part, right? The hard part is the art of how do you yeah. take all these pieces of data and how do you take just a certain amount of intuition and experience and having been there and maybe humbleness and empathy for who the user is. Uh, and then just connecting it in your head. And I think some companies and some individuals are better at connecting all that stuff in their head. And, you know, that's that's why some companies do much better than others. Uh, because if this was all science, everybody would be really good at it. Right. No, I know that, that I realize it's a pretty tough question to answer. Um, but just something that, you know, I've uh, struggled with in the past and, and other leaders as well. You know, uh, where's the easy button for this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think... you, brought up the ex- you brought up the example of cloud tech, right? I think cloud tech's a right. great one in the sense that there's a whole bunch of practical pieces of using cloud services and the transition to cloud that businesses needed to understand. Uh, but then there was also just the emotional piece, right? That you're mm-hmm. taking your data and you're putting it somewhere, right? And if you right. had, for a big chunk of your career, had all your data and your technology on premises and now you were putting it somewhere else like that can be scary right so there's a whole piece of it that was actually just about you know uh, trust and emotion and perceptions of control right that that you as a technology leader and as a marketer like you need to understand all those pieces in order to to help customers arrive at better solutions that it is mm-hmm. that, and that's that's sort of the art of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, and it's one of those things. Um, you know, what you're talking about is there's this there's this very logical and rational uh, kind of fear of the unknown and 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 fear of perceived risk. But I think a lot of times, what what doesn't get um, surfaced quite as often is the the risk of not acting and the risk of not embracing a new technology like this. And I think that's oftentimes a lot less visible, but a lot more dangerous. Would you agree? Absolutely. So, so the risk of being s- slow to see how the world is changing. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, you know, the, when, you, when you have the DNA internally of people that understand cloud or people that don't understand cloud, right? E- even if you, if you take somebody who's, you know, been building technology one way for a really long time, the transition to cloud is going to be hard, not only from the emotional standpoint, but also just from the, the practical piece and how they think about the world and how they think about security practices, right? So mm-hmm. that idea of you, there's a risk in being slow to it and there's a risk in not doing it and of somebody else doing it becoming their competitive advantage. Uh, but it is mm-hmm. just building that muscle memory internally, right? And you know, there are, there are plenty of companies who I think have cloud services who aren't really cloud DNA companies, right? And don't think mm-hmm. of things from like a platform perspective. And then there are companies who do have that DNA. And, you know, even from like yep. the cloud service provider perspective, I think like you see, you can you can tell, I think, as an end user, uh, when it kind of all clicks for an organization and making sure that getting to the point where it clicks for your organization is a really important part of any new technology. Absolutely. You know, and one of the things that I've noticed um, is that, you know, you kind of look at the current, your current capabilities um, kind of constrain the, the opportunities that you see in terms of what, what's possible. So like if you, if you have all of your infrastructure on premises, then the, 
your, your creativity to design solutions for the business are constrained by what you can do in, in a data center. Um, have you seen kind of a similar trend with, with voice technology? Um, those that haven't kind of been proactive in kind of learning about it and developing capabilities there, perhaps there's the, the opportunities in the market are just not visible to them. And when there's a problem that needs to be solved, um, are they, do they find themselves limited um, in kind of what, they're, what they can imagine as possible solutions? I think so. I think that when, you know, so let's say when Amazon Alexa came out in 2015 and kind of set off what feels like this new voice renaissance, right? Um, there were companies that felt like they needed to build something. And so they made a big investment and they built something, but they didn't really understand what it was, right? And didn't really understand what made for a good experience and why people would want to use it. Uh, and then... <clears throat> some lack of success there led them to believe that this isn't the future and it's something that they don't need to know about. Um, and so having, you know, un understanding those, those pieces uh, and kind of stepping up at bat over and over again and realizing that, you know, that there is going to be a lot of trial and error. Uh, you see it in brands and you also see it sort of on the agency side. So what's happened too a lot in voice is that the creative work for a voice project has been handed off to an agency and then the agency builds a project. And so maybe that project is successful and maybe that project is not successful. Um, but they, at some point that company needs to take ownership over that application or like that project. And do they have the internal DNA to mm understand what to do with it. Is the company ready to make a continued investment in it, right? The way people think about in investment and projects is also sort of a big, big piece of this. That is, you know, as soon as you make something feel self-contained, uh, then you evaluate it on very different um, value metrics, right? So in cloud, this is, you see this all the time, right? Is that people look at their cloud bill and they're like, how much are we spending on this cloud service? <laughs> you're like, do you have any idea how much we're saving by like not doing the alternative? And so I think with right. like vo voice, we see that a lot, right? Like that we see somebody building a project, maybe with an agency, maybe in an innovation team as like this self-contained thing and it has some dollar number assigned to it. And then they're just assigning all of that spend to whatever the specific outcome of that specific project was without uh -huh. seeing like that bigger picture. Right. And I think that right. the people who see the bigger picture understand the value and like ultimately in the long term, they're the ones that that capture a lot of that value. Yeah, uh, that's 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 well said, you know, and that's very insightful. Um, you know, we see this in cloud all the time where uh, the costs are, are extremely transparent. Um, maybe for the first time ever for, for IT, um, you can see exactly how much you're spending and where, but the benefits are just a little bit harder, uh, to, to quantify. Right. And, and, uh, there's, there's an emerging art, uh, and, and discipline in being able to, um, you know, count that and articulate that. And you have to see that in order to make, uh, smart strategy decisions. Right. So, um, it's very interesting to see that kind of emerging technology with, with voice is, is uh, you know, has similar challenges. I was just going to say, you know, I, I think part of the power of, of cloud and, and, and voice is that everybody has access to 
world-class uh, technology, right? Like I started Sayspring by myself in a co-working space uh, with world-class infrastructure that 15, 20 years ago, I would have needed to raise millions of dollars just to stand up servers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had access to world-class speech-to-text and world-class text-to-speech uh, in order to build Sayspring and have that experience, right? So I, I think it's, especially having spent a big chunk of my career in startups, you know, I think that also the it, the democratization mm-hmm. of technology that we see in voice and we see across cloud in general, I think is, you know, unlocking innovation. And, you know, to, to bring it back to Adobe, you know, I think that creativity becomes one of the big competitive advantages in a world where everybody has access to world-class technology, mm-hmm. right? Like being able to build big data centers is no longer a competitive advantage. And you're not going to have better voice technology than the next person because everybody has access to world-class voice technology. Right. So so then the, the competitive advantages comes from the creativity and what you do with that technology, right? Yeah, it comes from experience creation, right? I mean, this is this is why I think you also see sort of the consumer consumerization of enterprise tech, right? Because that is now, and anybody could spin up an enterprise SaaS company now uh, with a very small team, and they're winning by making better experiences on top of all that stuff, right? So the kind of lock-in that uh, maybe an enterprise software company used to have, that just changes really, really quickly. And so the importance of designing a great experience, listening to your users, you know, the the quality of support that you provide to your customers, like all of those things are going to become more and more important as technology just continues to get democratized. So um, you mentioned Alexa uh, earlier, and I'm, I'm curious um, specifically around Alexa, what has that enabled you to do that you weren't, um, what new capabilities that you get that you didn't have previously? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that Alexa did uh, is it showed everybody what the promise of voice technology could be, right? I think that, you know, not to, not to, to rag on Siri, uh, but Siri came out in 2011, and we were told, and that was kind of like everybody's first mainstream voice experience, uh, and we're told that it could do anything. Um, that wasn't really true, but Siri could perform a limited number of tasks well, uh, but it wasn't really communicated, and it, w- it felt like it wasn't designed to be a really intuitive experience for the size of the audience I got it released to. Uh, and I think when Alexa came out, uh, you know, I think the smart speaker was a huge piece of that unlock. Of It was just a different, you weren't competing with a screen because I wasn't talking to a screen I was already holding, right? It's sort of the idea of like being able to talk to it across a room and then also just delivering like a couple of basic features that were going to become a part of everyday life. I think for me, Alexa unlocked a lot of that stuff. And, you know, for for a guy who now spends every day working on voice and never used a voice assistant on my phone, uh, you know, up until recently. I think that was the big thing it pushed. And then I think the other piece is that it opened up so quickly, right? So there was almost kind of as soon as Alexa came out, there was the, uh, the skill, the ecosystem, so that you as a third party could start to build stuff on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, you know, so what happened right before Say Spring is I was working on another startup concept and I was very uh, intrigued and passionate about 
voice technology in senior care and elder care and how it could um, help people age in place uh, and have access to, to services they wouldn't otherwise. Uh, and so I got excited about how voice could be a part of that experience. And so because Alexa had come out and had the smart speaker and then had um, the third party ecosystem, I started building on top of it. And then again, sort of me building on top of it is what led to realizing that the design tools for it was um, was kind of this missing piece. And then kind of SafeSpring felt like the business that found me while I was trying to build a different business. Um, but th that's, you know, seeing what it was capable of, I think made a big difference. And then the other piece that I think is really interesting that, that not too many people talk about, but uh, has had a severe impact on me is my daughter is about to turn six. And so for the most part, she's had um, voice technology in the house uh, since she was, uh, you know, before she could speak. And seeing her evolve with voice technology and what she thinks it is and what she expects out of it has been very different. Uh, she doesn't think it's a person. She doesn't think you're supposed to have a conversation with it. Uh, <laughs> she uses it in a really intuitive way. Um, she understood who sang songs really early because of the feedback loop of like now playing artist name. Uh, so I remember when she was three, she knew who Bob Marley was, which was crazy to me. Um, and so that kind of, so, so that experience with Alexa to me unlocked this idea that like there's this whole voice native generation that's going to grow up that doesn't have all of this baggage about what we think conversations with technology is supposed to be. And so I think that for me was like the big piece of Alexa was that Alexa kind of made it all real uh, and it, it integrated itself into our daily life in a way that for me at least, showed, showed the promise in a way to then get more creative and think about what voice really means when it comes to digital interaction, right? And, and how we can create lots of good experiences for the enterprise and for everything else that has nothing to do with a personified assistant. Um, but that, I think that sometimes just taking, you know, I think this is why I think AR has kind of been held back a little bit, right? Because um, we don't use... AR in our everyday life, the way we're using voice technology in our everyday life, right? right. And so once once you do, it just kind of changes everything. Absolutely. No, it's, it's such a great insight, you know, where there's a whole generation of people growing up on this, and they're not going to have the same uh, learning curve that the rest of us have. And uh, that just means it's that much more important, um, you know, as a business to be embracing this technology, knowing that... Uh, uh, you know, there's going to be a massive base of consumers that are not only comfortable with this, but are expecting it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not going to the, mangle the numbers, but there was, there's a stat that sort of if you look at, you know, people in their 30s versus 20s versus teenagers, use of voice technology goes up by like another 10% across each group. So that when you get to teenagers, it's like well over 50% of teenagers use voice technology every month. And so... It, just that of the, it's going to be a different mm -hmm. world and they're going to have, again, sort of that different DNA about how they think about it and about what they expect out mm -hmm. of it. And so I think from the business impact side, you know, if anybody from 15 to 30 is going to be an important part of your business moving forward, which is kind of everybody, uh, <laughs> then it's important that you understand that user behavior. Absolutely. Um, lastly, I'd, I wanted to ask, um, you know, Specific to cloud, uh, first, how, how has cloud benefited the, the user interface designers and, and also your personal experience 
um, you know, and at Adobe, how reliable has the cloud been for your systems and for your business? Cloud is changing the world of digital design pretty rapidly, right? So I think what, like one place to look is, uh, for the most part, uh, Adobe tools have been downloadable software. And so Adobe XD is downloadable software uh, and worked offline. And when we introduced voice, it was the first feature that we introduced in XD that required you to be online in order to use it. And so you, when you use either voice commands, you know, the speech to text or the, the output, the playback of the text to speech, uh, you need to be connected online and you need to have cloud access in order to use it. And that decision came from the technology in the cloud for voice is just much, much better than local voice technology. You know, we've had voice technology in, you know, mid to luxury cars for a long time. That was all local and it's all pretty bad because it doesn't improve itself. Um, and so it just changed the, you know, we came in, we were a very small team. And so we were able to integrate voice, launch it in XD within a matter of months, all because the cloud was there. But then you also see, you know, one of the big features we launched in, in XD was what we call cloud documents. Uh, so you could save your XD file locally, but now you can also save it up to the cloud and then you can share it with other people. You can invite other people into it. And so, you know, we're definitely at a point where cloud services and cloud tech is reliable and secure. And, you know, it's, it's definitely reached maturity in that respect. Uh, but it's just changing what collaboration looks like for design. You know, the idea that I had a piece of downloadable software with a local file that, I would then save and then share that file with somebody, you know, and then they would work on it. There's a whole joke in the design world about, you know, that we would call it mobile design underscore final underscore final two dot XD, right? And so that whole idea <laughs> with Cloud Docs goes away. And then you get version control, right? And then you get the ability to invite people into files versus having to send instances of files to other people. So I think cloud technology is not only you know, sort of where it feels like a lot of that's moving, but has just made the design process in the UI UX world just so different and just, you know, so much more collaborative uh, than it's been in the, you know, 20 years I did before sort of cloud reached this point. So it's pretty incredible to see, you know, both from the developer part of me where it's the tech nerd and, and thinking about, you know, the, the impact of cloud, but then also <laughs> me as the user and the designer who's just seeing how like, quickly cloud is changing the world of design is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of the same benefits that, that all types of businesses are, are, uh, enjoying, um, you know, being able to, um, get started very quickly and at low cost, you know, pay for consumption model is something that, that companies are embracing, um, because, you know, there's, there's no longer this long cycle of waiting for it uh, to deploy resources before your developers can get started or before you can start trying things. But then also, um, you know, one of my favorite kind of effects of, of embracing cloud in the enterprise, which is, you know, being able to have the, uh, the, the, to, to be bold in kind of what you try because you know that you're not married to those decisions and you could try as many things as you want. Um, and then the things that don't work, just stop doing them and stop paying for them. So, um, I, I imagine at Adobe, you guys are, are experimenting more and, uh, and trying new things that you wouldn't have tried normally. 
Uh, have you found that to be the case? I mean, absolutely, right? I, and again, I think our team is a great example of this. I think before a cloud infrastructure world, I don't think a company the size of Adobe with a product and product team the size of XD could acquire a five-person team in April 2018 and then in October 2018, you know, be on stage at our creative conference, Max, introducing voice prototyping to the creative community, right? I mean, that's pretty, mm-hmm. five people built it. We built it in a matter of months. And it's a, you know, world-class voice technology integrated into, you know, the massive creative cloud platform. Like, that definitely could not have existed before a cloud world. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so we're, we're out of time again, uh, Mark, but I want to thank you very much for joining us again. And uh, I would like to invite everyone to join us for our third part. Um, it's going to be uh, section three of this podcast with uh, Mark Webster from Adobe, uh, focusing on the lessons learned. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>